1: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of TSFP Presents Cult Heroes, the series that we initially recorded in 2019 exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com forward slash TSFP and which we're now releasing for the wider public. We're talking about cult heroes and this week we've got two pretty obscure figures but very important ones nevertheless for their respective clubs, Valerie Carpin and Bidi Bidi. Hello, patrons. Welcome to another episode of TSFP presents Cult Heroes. I'm here with Sid and Al in the Podmobile. Hello, hello, hi guys, hi patrons. So uh, today's uh, episode, we're going to be talking about Valerie Carpin and Beery, Biri, Biri uh, two legendary and cult players for both of their respective teams. Um. We wanted to talk about a player from that sort of Celta Vigo side, at sort of late 20th century, early mm. 21st century. The best side they've ever had, probably. The, the best side they've ever had, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there are a number of choices, and we've gone for we've gone for Carpin.
1: Yeah, I mean, to talk about the choice uh, process, uh, we wanted to talk about Alexander Mostovoy. That was the first player that we thought mm. we were going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, the man who was
0: known as the Tsar of Balaidos H- had uh, my favorite. My favorite historically
1: inaccurate
2: uh, photo shoot involved him.
0: I was going to say inaccurate nickname because he wasn't in fact a czar. But no, very, but it's on.
2: almost as bad. Front page of, I can't remember if it was Mark or Ass. a picture of Alexander Mostovoy the czar. And of course, because he's Russian, they've got him wearing one of those communist hats. Yes. Uh, I mean, there is a fundamental <laughs> <Yeah>. misunderstanding <laughs> yeah. of the Russian revolution
0: going on there, isn't yeah. there? Yes. Um, so we were going to do Mostovoy, but in the end, we didn't feel comfortable because one of the many incidents throughout his career that took place was a, a really deeply unpleasant one. Which, which I must admit I didn't know about. Yeah, but which there is footage of on the internet if you want to go and see it. It's quite shocking and quite nasty. It's a bust up between him and Jalminia in the Galician Derby in which he does a monkey gesture on the pitch at Jalminia and it's horrible and so, so we didn't want to do it.
1: So we thought we, he can't really be a hero for us anyway in any, yeah. any respect. So that's why we're not doing Alexander Vosovic. we've got another dead. Russian. We've got another Russian who played for Celta Vigo in the same team. Oh, is he a Russian? <laughs> He was Estonian. He believes he he's a Russian, yeah. He says Estonian. that he's
0: part of the Russian minority from in Estonia. Estonia. Yeah. Of course, but born in the former, in the, in the, in the USSR, in Italian, what, yeah. is now, what is now Estonia. From It's the border town of Narva, oh. which is right on the border between modern-day Russia and, and Estonia, literally.
2: I have got an Estonian neighbour, and she considers herself Russian as well.
1: yes. Interesting. I've got a Lithuanian colleague and she considers yes, herself does, Russian as well. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I can't add to this.
2: I've got no, <laughs> no. no Eastern European connections. <laughs> how long, long is of Eastern European people that we know.
1: So, Valerie Carpin, um, he was a very good player. He's a very handsome man, I thought. Oh, he's Do aged well. In,
0: in some did photos, he... Um, he sort of looks a lot more handsome than right. others. I actually think he looks more handsome now yes, he's yes. Aged very well. than maybe he did then. And now, he looks in fact. He's sort of
2: scraggy then. Yes. He?
0: He's, uh, yeah, he's got a bit of a beard going on now. He's a very successful coach. He's coach of FC Rostov in the Russian league. And at the time of recording they are second in the russian league level on points there's four teams that are level on points at the top and his rostov side are, are one of them it's so his coaching good. career is is, is going yeah. really well which is just as well because after his playing career ended he's been through a lot of ups, ups and downs valerie including being a failed property developer so i'm glad that things are looking up for him now.
2: well i mean his property um, portfolio is quite something you were saying this and and, and I, I went and had a look at it if you type um Valerie Carpin into the search engine in El Pais. You basically have to go for an entire page worth of articles before you get anything about football, because all of these articles are about his various construction companies going
0: bust. It's a chronicle of the the, the Spanish sort of 21st century property boom and and bust, isn't it? What I loved about it is the names
2: of his companies. Basically, he doesn't have a huge amount of um, imagination, right? All of his companies... And there are many that aren't aren't construction, by the way, are called Valerie Carpin something. So you've got you've got V V K Moda, V K mm. Fashion, you've got V K Telecommunications, <laughs> you've got Valerie Carpin and Associates. <laughs> you've even got the Fundación Valerie Carpin, and I think there was another one, what was the other one. There was there was another one which I think was called just called Valerie Carpin Developments. Mm.
0: Basically, everything he's, I mean. I mean, it's fair enough. It is what it says
2: on the tin, I suppose. I mean,
0: we'll get to the football, I promise, in a second. But it is, I mean, yeah, to to summarise this this stage of his of his career uh, he brought up right in the historic center of vigo a city that you know you in particular Phil have waxed lyrical about yeah. many times on the mm. on but that th- did need redevelopment there's this little yeah. area called the barrio do cura which is just overlooking is right in the old town overlooking the port there's some um incredible old kind of crumbling buildings one of which i think was an old people's home where yeah. kind of um monks or, or something sort of looked an, an, the a, old people yeah
2: there was an asylum that, it, that it's right over. in the heart yeah. of,
0: of the city they tried to they wanted to redevelop this and make it into flats it came about at the worst possible time just before the crash and the financial crisis but apparently according to El País as Sid says it's now finally getting moving but I think Carpin might have might have moved on it's now a different property company he that's was of course
2: involved with Michel Salgado and between the two of them they are pretty much the biggest property developments in v- the developers in Vigo. So look, all of
0: this we couldn't have talked about this with Mostovoy.
2: no and, and also actually you know we talked a lot throughout this series about the way that players are cult heroes in part because of their identification With the city and with Mm. the club And that's the other thing that he did And I've got the list here Uh, I'll see if I can find it He also basically through these developments Decided to sponsor a whole load of sports teams in the city So he sponsored um, rugby He sponsored basketball He sponsored football His daughter ended up playing for the Vigo basketball team as well and so, you know, this is... A, because By the way, because his wife was a professional basketball player. Mm. Uh, he's a strange wife, I believe now. Although I don't want to cast suspicions on that relationship because I'm not 100% sure about that. Well, let's but, not do that. Let's not do it. But there So there you go. So this is a guy who very much identified himself with Vigo. And for those of our listeners who don't know this, I think this kind of thing is really significant when in Spain when you don't live in Madrid or Barcelona. If you're from a small city and you're seen to embrace that city, I think Spain's quite... Uh, said without any desire to annoy anyone quite provincial in that sense I think there's a real sense of pride if someone comes from the outside and embraces a city that's not a huge big city so someone like this who says not only do I play for Celta Vigo and also, obviously also Raul Sofidane, I was going to say he's a cult hero and, also for and obviously for, for and Valencia and by the way if you have three cities to live in in Spain and you choose not to go to Valencia or San Sebastián and you identify more closely with Vigo that's even more powerful I think that actually makes a real impact on the way that people Take to you. Hmm. I also, I guess it helps being involved with
1: the best team that the club has ever had. Yeah,
2: and, and there was a. I mean, I was looking this up and to take it back to our original thing about who we could have chosen. The list of the best players in Celta Vigo's history, a poll on Mark. Now, admittedly, these polls shift with time, but the poll goes Carpin in third, Mossovoy in second. And of course Lord Barrington of Aspas in first And actually we could almost have done this on Barry Of course we could But we talk about Barry every week exactly. so feels, It feels yeah. redundant almost And also Carpin's a nutter That's the other thing to, 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 to kind of factor okay, in Okay
1: well let, let, let's get into that then
2: Well Carpin is a guy who had his own chat show for a while Okay Famously wound people up enormously There's a great um, Sorry store, where was the chat show? It on Galician TV. Oh wow,
1: okay. Yeah,
2: where he would talk to people in a slightly cliché manner, but it was and, and dress very kind of flamboyantly. He would he would get himself he would always be outspoken. There's a story that I found that actually I wrote from from years ago now, 2006 I think it was, where he has a confrontation with Albert Luque and decides that rather than just, you know, do what players do, maybe have a guy in post game. He releases a statement after the game, a written statement, basically accusing the referee of allowing, allowing... And he was right, by the way, allowing fans to shout abuse at him, allowing Luque to have a go at him, because Luque described him as a chulo, which is a great word and difficult to unpack. Cocky, arrogant, smart-ass, I suppose. I suppose in one of its incarnations, a pimp. A pimp, Chulo is yes. a pimp. Um, and, and so he came out with a statement, basically just took Albert Luque apart Point by point, <laughs> and took apart the referee for, as he said, allowing fans to say, Deft to Carpin. You know, die you Russian son of a er, f, son of a bee and and stuff and son of a F. I don't know what I was talking about there.
0: And and it's just, I mean, it's just extraordinarily carping. So should we just briefly kind of track his 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 career and go yeah, briefly and go chronologically yeah, because but... we've we've gone all over the place. Um, and as you said,
1: he is a cult hero for Celta Vigo, but he had many years in in Spain. And so actually he was, was very very popular in San Sebastian. Yeah. And well. he was at
0: L'Areal twice. Because, yeah. Of course, he started in Russia, played for Spartak. Briefly coincided with Mostovoy at Spartak as yeah. well, and they developed their... Their relationship. There's a fantastic
2: there. photo of those two at Spartak Moscow in Spain in some sort of pre season game. They
0: even went to Vigo yes, on that tour. They went to Vigo. <laughs> I, think he, I think either him or Mostovoy said later on that he didn't when he actually came to sign for Celta, he hadn't remembered that he'd been to Vigo until he turned up. He's like, That's oh, the, that beach looks, looks familiar. This place looks
2: familiar. And the photo is amazing because, I mean, it, in the way that old photos always look amazing now, because you sort of forget how things aren't timeless the way people yes. dress the way photos look but that photo is amazing they look incredibly young the two of them mm. and they look incredibly mischievous as well which of course they were
0: yeah so yeah he was Espartac joined Real Sociedad 1994 that first spell he had two years there until 96 and that was a that was a pretty successful one it wasn't as successful as his second spell at, at Real Sociedad then he went to Valencia for a year that was a bad year that was the year that Valencia started off being coached by Luis Aragonés yes. ended up being coached by Jorge Valdano they finished mid to the bottom half of the of the table and Carpin as subsequently said he didn't have a good time, it didn't work yeah. out there were a lot of off the field problems, that was when Valencia were, I think they, Valencia were aspiring at that point to greatness but they hadn't yet achieved the, mm. the greatness yeah. that they would go on to achieve a couple of years later.
2: Well in fact and of course he leaves Valencia, it doesn't work at Valencia and there's an interview with him at the towards the end of his career when he's asked, and again this filters into this idea, we talk about the identification with the club and, and the personality and stuff, he's asked later in his career Is it not That great Spanish phrase A thorn in your side Is it not an espina clavada The fact that you never Played for a big club To which his response is No because I did And anyway I just wanted I wanted to be happy I wanted to play happy And um, actually Celta were a big club with him Five years in a row in Europe
0: Tell us what kind of player he was Because we Mm. haven't really talked about him Right okay And you would have seen him Yeah I saw a lot of him I mean
2: as I say I I found the the, Although so did you Al Because he he destroyed Arsenal Yes So you probably would have seen him play Weren't you in Vigo
1: For that game was he in that, he in that team? In I in know that Mastavoy was.
0: Yeah, the the yeah. first ever game I went to, we, we've talked about this before, the first ever game I went to in Spain was at Ballados in the well, Champions League, Arsenal against Celta, the game that Arsenal won 3-2. Really well, the, was Karpin in that team? See, I know Mastavoy was, but I can't remember the 11. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up as you guys carry on talking. Here comes a police, police car that, again, amazingly. This is incredible. Anyway, um,
2: so... They in probably two- recognise us That's those guys. So in 2004, I wrote about him. And just to kind of to put this into context, and I'll go on to the football element in a minute, I described him as... For 11 years, he's been La Liga's best wind-up merchant. So there you go. That's that's Carpin <laughs> in a nutshell. He was a brilliant player. He was a player. Um, so Mostovoy was the kind of the off-the-striker, creative one. Carpin actually, I think, in a way, was more creative in terms of the volume of chances that he made. Playing on the right wing, very direct, very, very, not sort of quick in the sense that you'd look at him and go, look, he's like Jesus Navas. But he would get away from people by going at them. He would go past them without it being wonderfully precise the technique, but he was skillful. He put in an awful lot of crosses. And so in that second spell at Real Sociedad, for example, when they nearly won the league, they nearly won the league based basically on De Pedro and Carpin on the wings, putting endless balls into the box for Nihat and for Darko Kovacevic at the time.
0: So that was his first season at L'Areal, that was 2002-2003. They finished yes. second two points behind Madrid. Yeah. By the way, editor's notes. Uh, by the time that Celta played Arsenal, that was two thousand and four. Right, he was at La Royale, right. so he wasn't. He wasn't in, he he wasn't wasn't in that, that team, right? That team, but, but he, he was
2: in that team. He played. I think he played thirty odd times, thirty two times in Europe for Celta at a period when Celta weren't supposed to get into Europe every year, and he did. And they did. Mm. It ended badly though because he he fell out quite badly with the with the president or Gomez, which is why which is why he left. But yeah, as a player, he was that kind of he was he was. Pugnacious. He would he would go at people. He was aggressive. He would um, want the ball all the time, even when things were going badly. And I, I thought he was a, a brilliant player and an, an out and out right winger, an out and out right winger. But with and yeah, I say that, but not I suppose not really a touchline hugger. But he would play wide, go beyond people on the outside, go beyond people on the inside, come into the area, score goals, and cross after cross.
0: Talking about that second spell at, at Real Sociedad, as, mm. as I say, finished second in the league in, in 2003, which is incredible to, to think about now. You know, this is the best modern L'Areal, but you have to go back yes. to the 80s to, to go to a, a better one. And then that Champions League campaign the following season, 2003-2004, they qualified from their group ahead of Galatasaray and Olympiacos. I'm mm. sorry to, to report, Kitro. Mm, um, which was, was pretty impressive, you mm-hmm. must They were knocked out, but yeah, I mean... They were knocked out by Leon in the, in the last 16. But still, for, for Real Sociedad to be playing Champions League football at, at that stage was... And this was a time when there were a lot of good Spanish teams as well. That, uh, you know, this is, I know that Madrid and Barcelona have their ups and downs, but you've got a very good Valencia, you've got a very good yeah, Deppel, absolutely. you've got a good Celta as well.
2: Yeah, and, and actually, if you look at it, you, as you say, you can take it from a Galician perspective. And for a while, Celta and Depot were, were two of the best. For basically, for a six-year period, they were two of the best four or five teams in Spain consistently consistently those two. Hence, we come back to this this confrontation with Jalmino, because that was a great depot team as well.
1: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... A legal case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. I spoke to him on the phone about this. This how is how long I've lived in so Spain. So the, the, the technicalities are are maybe not quite as interesting. It was basically about whether he would be um, treated as a as, as a, a European, European citizen or as a non EU uh, player being being Russian. There's like a treaty about how Russians should be treated in the EU, and there was a there were financial implications for this. Ie, it was better for him financially to be treated as as a European, as not. He wasn't by the Federation. Yes, he right. took it to court. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Yes. Years later, I think actually in 2007, <laughs> when he ended up, he wasn't, he wasn't even playing anymore, he won. And he got, I think he got awarded €180,000 um, yeah, or And something. what it
2: did is it created a new category of players which I think were called European B. And, and within, within, because as you say, I mean, essentially this is one of the things that's often forgotten about the Bosman ruling. The Bosman ruling is really just the application to football of the Treaty of Rome. And this is effectively the, the this was, I remember at the time this being described as kind of the second Bosman ruling because this mm. would open up for a series of states that maybe weren't full members of the EU to be treated as European Union members in terms of the movement of, of capital and labour.
0: And it probably says a bit about his character as well. He, wasn't, Absolutely. he wouldn't let this go. He took it all the way to... I mean, of course, you have to be a, someone with means to do yes. that. With, mean, Spain, but to I've, go with all the means and his character. Court.
2: And also, the other thing, of course, not, not to be forgotten, and intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because this is a guy who was very uh, problematic at times, but incredibly bright. I spoke to a referee from his era, because obviously aware of his, his reputation, I, 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 I messaged a, a friend of mine who was a referee in this period. I said, tell me about Carpim. He says, oh, Carpin was unbelievable. He said, the thing about players is, he says, and, and he says, you journalists don't understand this, which is very much like him because yes. he likes to blame us all the time. He says, you don't understand this, but you sometimes say, well, why is it that so says Moy Mallow and he gets a yellow card? Another person says hijo de puta and he doesn't get a yellow card he said because there's something about the tone and he said the thing that always struck me about Carpin is he would come at you as if he was genuinely going to hurt you, you know, the tone was incredibly aggressive it was so, yeah. incredibly nasty he said, so his muy malo would be his you know, know. muy malo muy malo hijo de la yeah, I mean, it was, six game back and he, yeah. said, he said Carpin was incredibly he was, he, the, that great Spanish phrase is one of those that, that comes as if he's going to on Arti la vida you know if you get away with it you've got to feel grateful that you've got away with you know and with, when you hear him speak in
0: Spanish by the way his, his accent and everything is perfect he obviously yeah. was here for such a long time that he sounds, and he came with none He yeah, came completely, he didn't come with completely yeah. fluent
1: so there we go Valerie Carpin there was plenty to talk about in the end and yeah. I'm sure we could have gone on a little bit more but we have to move on and talk about another cult hero uh, the man known as Biri Biri mm, the best Gambian footballer of all time, I'm not going to say the only Gambian footballer of all time. In, Very in, in, in Spain, but I th- I, probably not far off. I mean, the first, and yeah, there yeah. haven't been many since. Then, and... I mean, just to put that into context, Gambia is a tiny country in West Africa. I the population is just under a million. It's the smallest country in 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 West Africa. Yeah, I've I've
2: been there. You for have. Those who don't know, I mean, it's, and and it is for, for those who don't. I mean, obviously, some people know this and say, look, you don't need to tell us. It is literally just a sort of rectangular strip of land along the river stuck inside Senegal. It's stuck inside Senegal. I mean, this is like a lot of African countries. They make no sense because, of course, they're a product of colonialisation. And this was an English strip inside a French colony. Mm. Um, Gambia is also one of the poorest countries in Africa. And yet it's curious because it's a poor country without some of the problems that that some other less poor countries have. Mm. Partly, I suppose, because it's so small. Um... And and Biri, Biri, When I was in Africa, when I was in Gambia, they they did actually try and arrange a, a meeting with Biri Biri for me. It wasn't possible in the end, basically because people couldn't get hold of him because he was he's you know he was kind of a little bit laxadaisical and 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 so on. But he's been involved with a number of kind of sporting and charity projects there. Well, he
0: was also uh, he was like the mayor of his hometown. Well, he for worked a while. he worked for
2: Banjul, which is the capital. He worked for for the for the council in Banjul. I think the mayor thing might be uh, one of these urban myths. Oh, really? But, but, but he was involved with the mayor. He, um, he this was under the previous uh, government, um, which who's, which has now been overthrown in elections in 2000. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Recently, you know, the, you know, the current president of Gambia, and this is a, this is a side issue. But I just like this story so much. Was a security guard in Argos in London <laughs> and an Arsenal fan.
1: Wow. Adama Barrow. Yeah. There we go Alright so back to Biri Biri Yeah sorry yeah. Who, who, who played for Sevilla uh, In the 70s He was their first ever Black player
2: Yes and the Obviously we'll come on to this In a minute one of The reasons why he's famous Is because of course He gives his name Why it becomes significant He gives his name to Sevilla's now Most significant sports club He was a right winger Stroke forward Very quick Very dynamic um, Athletic without being big, so he was he was kind of an, an agile athlete rather than a powerful athlete. Although mm. clearly quite powerful as well. Some of the footage of him is is, is lovely. Him running directly at people, people getting very excited. And that kind of player that makes people exciting. And let's not be coy about it. The the, the sense of exoticism Because here's a black player in Spain And here's a foreign African player in Spain At a time of course where this is the first generation of foreign players coming in Because of course they, the, the, There was a ban on foreign players Which gets lifted with the arrival of Hugo Sotil and Johan Cruyff in 74 I think it is And he comes that same year so fact, it's still very unusual.
0: I was looking back at some of the newspaper um clippings from the days that he signed for, for Sevilla, and every single time he's mentioned it yes. describes him as the player of colour, Beery yes. Biri. Yes. Like that was that was the way that it was Actually, every single That, that, time, that yeah.
2: is also true, incidentally, of, of reports of Laurie Cunningham signing, what is it four
1: years uh four years later is it? I think hmm. seventy eight. I mean, he joined while Franco was still in power. Yes. I mean just to give you an idea of the context of what was going on yeah. in Spain at the time, obviously it was the the twilight of his dictatorship, but he was still in power, still yes. a dictatorship. Yeah. So just to enhance that exoticism. He was here throughout
0: that transition. He was here yeah. from seventy three to, to nineteen eighty. So mm. what a time to be in mm. to be in Spain. Why yeah. do you think then that the
1: well, they're called the Bidis now, the Bidis Norte, the the, the supporter group, why did they take him as well, their idol, as their there's, hero? There's a, there's an in- I was going to say there's an interesting documentary actually to be honest most of the documentary
2: is not hugely interesting but there is a documentary online there's a documentary about about the the foundation of the Birries and and really and truly it's like a lot of supporters clubs that it's sort of incidental it's just kind of a name to be chosen but it does start with him and it starts with him and the excitement of him then that supporters club kind of drifts away a bit then kind of gets re- Kindled, if you like, in the because it's officially not formed, I think, until sometime in the mid 80s, 84, right. 85. But it starts with him. Um, there is a suggestion from one of the founder members that this is done because he's black, yes. because there is this idea that we want to be the first anti racist supporters club in Spain. Now, I must confess, I don't know how far I buy that because I'm not sure that there's necessarily a move towards an anti racist statement, if you sort of mean, at that point. Um, and and I think, I think, But I do think there's, there's a sense of exoticism, there's a sense of excitement, there's a sense of, oh, this guy's brilliant, let's, let's, you know, let's be him. Because this is a brilliant player, by the way. This is a guy who some people consider the best African of all time, although I suspect that George Weir and Samuel Leto probably mean that that's no longer the case. Well, here's right. a couple of quotes there's from... A, there's from a lovely former, quote about him being better than Pele, isn't there?
0: Former teammates. This is El Haji Babu Sawe, who says, I class Biri Biri even above Maradona, mm. because he was a great goalscorer, dribbler, could play with both feet... Biri Biri is the best player Africa has ever produced. Another teammate, Omar Salah, said he was a complete footballer, the best by anybody's standard. He used to save the day for Gambia when things were rough with his skills. He's the best player I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah, and that's obviously a Gambia national team that wasn't successful at all. So saving the day doesn't mean going on and winning titles. But he was one of those cases of a player kind of from an isolated small country who is just so much better than everyone else.
0: He said himself, I was unable to win anything in my career at club and international level. That's the most unfortunate. Fortunate thing, but with Sevilla, his notable achievement was getting them promoted. In his second year there, they went up from the Segunda to the to the first division. So that's obviously a that's probably his greatest
1: achievement. Yeah.
2: And so then what happens in a way, and as I say, it's partly chance that he gets taken on by a supporters club that is run by people who have perhaps more of a commitment to noise and taking drums and stuff into the ground and banners and really creating an atmosphere than the other supporters clubs there. So it's not that because this is called Biri Biri, everyone. Joins onto it, but because the one that is called Biri Biri is the most kind of fanatical, if you like, that this becomes almost a culture. And it becomes the beginning of a culture of travelling away with the team when many fans aren't doing it. Then, as I say, there's a lull, and, a, and, and I think they even disband momentarily for a bit, and then they become formally a, a Supports club in the 80s. There's actually a moment when Biri comes back to Seville. I think it's in 2017, but it might be 2015. he's been back a couple
0: of times in in recent years.
2: When when the Berries are in the midst of this suggestion that they've been involved in violence, and he actually comes out publicly and says, I want to tell my supporters club with my name that we cannot have violence, that we
0: cannot go down this Mm. route. And actually, that does seem to have made quite an impact. Mm. The footage is lovely, by the way. He was back as as recently as last month, actually. He was at a game against Real Sociedad. He's 71 years of age now, because he was... Born in 1948, he does look though. very slim, doesn't he? Look,
2: he look, he, he looks slightly fat. Very, ha- very
0: happy, like very really happy. kind of smile, laughing and joking when he's doing his interviews and all uh, that. Did you hear the,
2: the, the Derby County story? I, I found this what, Derby. He Ca- went on
0: trial. He there. went on trial
2: at Derby County. Brian Clough Clough's was the manager. Darby. didn't didn't like him. didn't 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 rate him enough to sign him anyway. And there's this lovely story, where there's this lovely story where this guy is playing in the streets with his friends, and Biri comes in and joins in. And for some reason that's not entirely clear in this story, there's a photograph taken of Birri playing on the streets with these, with these kids. And about 30 or 40 years later, there's one of these kind of municipal um, exhibitions at the local council, a series of photos, you know, life in Derby in the 70s or whatever it is. And this guy goes in and he sees this photograph of him playing oh, football
1: wow. with Birri Birri, like 30 or 40 years later. And this kind of, this is incredible. Here is Birri Birri, who... Clough didn't fancy. So obviously his major time in uh, in Europe was uh, was in Seville,
0: but he uh, he came pl- from Denmark. He played yep. in Denmark. In Africa, he played for some interesting teams. They've got some really good names. In Gambia, he played for Black Diamonds, White Phantoms, <laughs> and he went to uh, in Sierra Leone to play for Mighty Blackpool.
2: Wow, I love
0: the idea. That's one of the best football names ever. Heard I, heard I don't know about you. If I, I want was to support a support Mighty Blackpool, exactly.
2: If I was a Blackpool fan, I would be going there <laughs> just to be able to say that I saw. Seen mighty Blackpool play.
0: Hmm.
2: It's brilliant, isn't it? Africa is full of clubs like that that are kind of taken. Actually, it happened in um, in it happens in Uruguay and, and, and across Latin America as well. I remember Luis Suarez once saying that I think his first game he played was against Liverpool. Yes, the Uruguayan
1: Liverpool. Yeah. Yes, the Uruguayan Liverpool. Obviously, Bolivia is famous for that as well, having some unbelievably incredible. Who is? Is it in Bolivia where Deportivo Wanker is? Uh, I think that might be Argentina, but the, sure. Bolivia got, have the strongest, um, the strongest
0: are my, are my yeah, favourite. The strongest, yeah. but also they've got some other great names as well. We digress. It's <laughs> as... got a long way. That's that's a pretty major tangent, all the way to Bolivia.
2: Yeah, but these are great names. From Gambia. <laughs> these, these are great names. Uh, anyway, as I say, so so Biri Biri was the, the, this fantastic player, and it does live on through 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 the supports club, and in a way, that is why, that is why he's a name because I, I think if he'd been a player like this, he would have been one of these kind of oh. Do you remember that guy who was amazing for a couple of years and everyone was excited and then he went and other players have been long and other players... Because, you know, this is like a lot of these cult heroes we talk about. There are players who are better than them. There yeah. might well be players who in purely footballing terms have had more an impact. But something lives on in this case. It really lives on through the desire to create an atmosphere for a group of people who took his name at that time and kept it going. Because mm. the Beiris Beiris could have faded out, could yeah. have disappeared. But they didn't and that is where they are and also obviously because they have him as if you like the poster boy is not the word i'm looking for what do you call it the standard bearer if you like the image of, of i mean their they literally club. have yes they li- exactly yes, on their flag. that that i think has enhanced that idea that even if it wasn't a supporters club that necessarily wanted to make a race anti-racist statement then mm. it has become one now mm-hmm.
1: yes so there we go birri birri and valerie carpin are uh, the uh, latest two right wingers two right-wingers yes Uh, on the pitch yes Yes. (laughs) I know
2: not what their politics are off the pitch yes Uh,
1: so there we go Uh, thanks for joining us Uh, there'll be another episode of Cult Heroes out in a couple of weeks so make sure you join us for that adios cheerio bye